1: So Ryan, let's get into the mailbag. And we don't have a ton of questions yet, so get those rolling in. Uh, but we do have some questions, and I'm gonna start off with Tim Sully. I mean, we, we'll make predictions tomorrow, but I, I think this is where a lot of people are, Ryan. Tim mm-hmm. Sully says, Tell me we're going to win this weekend. My heart can't take another sad Saturday.
2: Tim, we're gonna win this weekend, sir. <laughs> I guarantee it. <laughs> no, but I, I, do do that. That, I do think I do think do that. I'm not gonna guarantee anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah
1: I mean, look, they should. Tim I, I don't know if they will they should mm-hmm. I mean look guys uh, I, I kind of went off on this a little bit yesterday and, and and I wrote an article about it I'm so tired of the talent thing you want to say no name's not talented enough to beat Alabama and Georgia fine okay sure I, everybody mm-hmm. agrees that you know if yeah. they play 10 times their name's not going to win more than half of those games we're talking about Marshall and Cal man you can't tell me look and and, and you're not going to find a, a more harsh critic of Brian Kelly than me this notion he left the cupboard bare Brian Kelly didn't know what do he needed to do to get the roster where it needed to get to Ryan but this is still a top 10 roster. Mm-hmm. Guys that did, that were have been good players didn't all of a sudden stop knowing how to play football. 100%. You know, and and I just get I get so tired of that. I get so tired mm-hmm. it's it's cal. If they lose this game, it's a leadership, it's a coaching, it's a toughness problem. It's not a talent problem. You know, no. it's definitely not an athleticism problem. So, should they win this weekend? Yeah, they should. They should have beat Marshall. Honestly, they should have beat Ohio State the way that, that both of those teams played. You know, Notre Dame played like crap and still hung with them for three and a half quarters. So should they? Yes. But I just don't know where this team is, Ryan. This is the biggest thing for me. I don't know where this team is from a leadership standpoint. I don't know where this team is from a character standpoint right now. Not football character. Football yeah. character. I'll never publicly question a kid's character unless I sp- say specifically, this kid did this and he's a bad kid. And it would be very rare. I'm talking football character right now.
2: I, I have pretty consistently, Brian, talked a little bit about this in the summer, leading up to the game, into the fall, and and even after Ohio State ends, Marshall. Like I, I don't know what player on this team, outside of maybe Brandon Joseph, gives this team juice. Like I just don't know who that guy is, man. Like I, that's the biggest thing I want to see in this game, outside of a victory is I want to see who the leaders are on this team. I know who the captains are, right? Like, I know who who are supposed to be the leaders, but I need to see the guy that inflects that juice. Where's Kyron Williams, right? Like, Kyron Williams was a really good football player, but the best thing that he did was you knew that he always had the juice going, man. Like, he had those guys fired up to play football. I don't know who those guys are right now, but Notre Dame needs to find them. They need to find them. Yeah.
1: Leadership is going to be a big part of this game on Saturday. I'm talking Mm -hmm. top-down, and this is players as well as coaches, top-down. Yes.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: It's a question from John A. One. What is the what is a performance outcome Notre Dame fans should expect, demand this weekend, this week after what we've watched the first two games? So I'm gonna I'm gonna rephrase this, Ryan, because expect mm-hmm. and demand are two completely different things in this context. Yeah, I'm not dismissing John's question, but I think we kind of just talked about what the expectation is. We don't know what to expect, but I'm gonna ask ask you this question this way, Ryan. What is a performance the outcome Notre Dame fans should demand this week after what we've
2: watched the first two games? They should demand toughness. Like, I mean, just just from a all-encompassing broad stroke right here real quick, they should demand, John, that they play a tough brand of football and that they show growth. Those are the two biggest things. Score outcomes? Look, if – If Notre Dame is a much tougher football team and they come out with a fire under them, the score will take care of itself. And it's very cliche, but it will because Notre Dame is a more talented football team than Cal is, point blank, period. But the thing that has been questioned is where's the juice? Where's the toughness? If those things improve in this game, then I think that the score honestly doesn't matter because I think Notre Dame is going to win. And they have potential to win convincingly, in my opinion. But for me, Brian, it's just. Man, there needs to be growth here, right? There needs right. to be a growth mindset, and you need to play with toughness. You need to be a more, much more tough team that you've been the last two weeks. If that happens, then I'm not worried about the score because the score will take care of itself. Right. I know that's a very coaching cliche thing, but it is actually it true. it will. Yeah, it will.
1: Because yeah. like here, like I'm seeing, like poor Tom Frawley. It just, just freaking out over what we said. Look, this is what we do, right? This is an analysis mm-hmm. show. We're not going to come in here and say mm-hmm. that Cal sucks when Cal doesn't suck. They don't suck. They don't suck. There are parts of this team that are good football teams. We said many times there's not a bunch of first round draft picks running around here. This is a, a well coached physical football team that has some speed on the perimeter, right? We tried to tell y'all last week that Marshall had good players, and Marshall does have good players. And but it's again, it you didn't lose to Marshall because they had good players, you won't lose to Cal because they have good players. You lost to Marshall last week because you didn't you did, what do we ask? it's about Notre Dame. Notre Dame did not play to their potential. They didn't coach to their potential. They didn't play with fire. They didn't play with energy. They got punched in the mouth and they didn't punch back. Yep. Right? All of that stuff is a problem. If like you said, Ryan, if the if the if the players play to their potential and the coaches have just a solid game plan, this is a W. Because yes. Notre Dame has better players, but we're also not going to sit here and spend every week telling you guys, "Oh, this other team sucks, and there's no players there, and all this other kind of stuff." And then we're all shocked when they this this team. Wow, where'd this guy come from? You know, who's this guy? You guys didn't talk about that guy. They have talented players, but it's not to the level of talent that they should beat Notre Dame. It's not. Same with North. It's going to be the same thing with North Carolina. It's going to be the same thing with BYU. It's going to be the same thing with every team until Clemson. They do not have the players to just out talent Notre Dame. But they all have the talent to beat Notre Dame if Notre Dame keeps playing like they have the first two weeks. That's mm-hmm. the reality, and that's what makes it unknown, Ryan. So to your point, what's the demand? I want to see a team play that pissed off, yes, right? Not pointing fingers, not blaming. It. I want to see a team that plays pissed off, and I want to see a team that plays disciplined.
2: Give I want to see those
1: two things, and
2: Notre Dame wins this game on Saturday. I want to see Jared Patterson's. Anger and aggression after the football game harnessed into a game like that's what I want to yep. see right like he was pissed off and he was upset and I again did he did he display it the way he should have no absolutely not but I do like that he was pissed off in that right. moment right so now you need to harness I just that I want to know who he's pissed off at that's my big right. question Mark that bro. is the, that is the biggest question but either way. I Want him to take that now and come out and hit him in the mouth. Like right. that's what I want to see. And I want to see that across the board, not just from one player, not from two players. If Notre Dame is sitting here and just okay with being 0-2 after loss to Marshall and just go into this game in the motions, then it's it's not the team, like it's just not it's not there, right? But I have a hard time thinking that guys like Maris Loifel and the talent that you have across the board, the Blake Fishers of the world and Aldrich Estimates and Brandon Josephs and Isaiah Fossey. I've had hard hard time to believe, Brian, that like those guys are okay with what's right. happening right now. And if they have any any type of juice in them, this is the week to unleash it. This is the only week to yeah. show that you are not going down swinging because right now yeah. this thing could go sideways in a hurry or you can get it back on track and it could be an, a, still a, a, a solid season, right? It's not going to be a great season anymore. But can you get it back on track? That's what we need to see this week. Right. Toughness. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a it's a
1: it's a mental and emotional thing this week, mm-hmm. and honestly, if Tobias, I'll say it again, and we have a we have a, a super a super sticker here from Brian from New York. Thank you, Brian, with with that. Appreciate that very much. If Tobias Merriweather does not play this weekend, I'm not talking about five snaps. I'm talking about he is a now a part of the receiver rotation, if not starting lineup. Then that tells me this offensive staff hasn't learned a thing they have not learned a thing about what went wrong the first two games. If we Mm -hmm. don't see a game plan that does a lot of things that we talked about, it's going to tell me that this offensive staff has not learned a thing that they're Mm just, no, it's the players aren't executing what we're doing. Like when coaches don't change stuff, that's not working. That's a sign that tells you in their minds, they don't think they are the problem, right? They think the players are the problem. And to me, if the coach realizes, hey, we're not putting these guys in position to be successful, which happens. Right? It happens. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. do you do about it? If they still think that Jaden Thomas is the guy that should be playing 50 snaps a game, then you're not being fair to Jaden because he's not ready for that yet. And this isn't a knock on Jaden. It's just means He's not ready for that yet. If sure. you're not doing things to get movement from Lorenzo and Braden Lindsay and Chris Tyree, and you're not making Chris Tyree a focal point, it tells me you don't get it yet. You don't think you are a part of the problem. If we don't see Tobias Merriweather playing and we still see a ton of 12 personnel against this defense, mm-hmm. then it tells me that you think the player's the problem and you don't think you're the problem, and they're going to struggle. And that's it's, that's my concern, and that's the unknown about this game. It's easy to see, Ryan. It's easy yeah. to see. But will they will they do something about it? That, honestly, is my biggest concern. Now, if they do all those things, it's going to tell me, you know what? They reevaluated themselves, said, hey, we're not the team we thought we are. This right. is where we think we can have some success. Let's get to it. Because if they ask Drew Pine to execute the same kind of offense that Tyler Buckner executed the last couple of games, they're going to have some problems, in my opinion. 100%. So, yeah, it's – it's. uh Ooh, frustrating
2: if they come out offensively and they just keep everything condensed and run a bunch of 12 personnel then they haven't learned anything nothing uh, we'll see we'll see nothing and, and, and mm-hmm. honestly i'd be surprised by that i would i would too and maybe I that's just too. me being naive but i would i'd be surprised i'm gonna give the, I, I'm going to give their football minds a lot more than that yes. again because they're and, smarter than i am
1: so and tommy yes. reese doesn't like losing i know yes. that you can think whatever you want to think about tommy reese and that's fine they're oh too. two you can think whatever you want and and he has to own it all and we have to own it all but I, I know he doesn't like losing. I know that for a fact. Sure. And and I know this stuff pisses him off. But what are you going to do about it, I guess, is the question, right? And, and that's mm-hmm. what I want to see from Coach. And it's not just about yelling at guys to execute better. This isn't an execution problem only. Yes, they need to execute yeah. better. And if they simply would have executed better against Marshall, they're what one they and one right now and we're having a different yeah. conversation. I get yeah. that. But that was simply because you had better players than they did. That wasn't because your game plan was great. It wasn't. It's just you had better dudes. And, and – that's the thing you look at. That's the concern I have is are they going to look at those missed opportunities and say, hey, guys, see, just keep doing what we're doing. If we just execute, we're going to win. No, that's Marshall. That's Marshall. You still got your butt kicked on the ground against Marshall. You still couldn't protect the quarterback against Marshall. That's not an execution thing. You had scheme problems. Yes, were there execution execution misses? Yes. Did mm-hmm. those cost you the game? Yes. But it the game plan is what kept you – that would have meant you to won, what, 27 to 13, Ryan? So 27 to 12 instead of 45 to 12, which is what yep. it should have been. Mm-hmm. That's that's my point. Yep. That's my whole point about it. All right, here we go. From Brian J. Irish, how many times will Notre Dame run it on first and second down, then throw it on third down? Is Notre Dame really that scared to throw the ball? Um, I mean, look, I, I don't. I think, think I, I don't that think that's, that's a fear thing.
2: I think that's a trust thing. I, I think don't that's a think trust that's super thing. accurate from how the game played out against Marshall on yeah. Saturday. At least not yeah, early. I mean, it, ha- it, it happened a couple yeah. times, but, like, yeah. At least I, not I, early. But I, I would say, Brian, for me, like, that's not a fear thing. It's a trust issue. If right. Because, I mean, Tommy Reese was a quarterback. You don't think Tommy Reese wants to throw the football? Like, I don't think that's yeah. a fear issue. I don't right. He doesn't trust his quarterback to execute it, his line to
1: block, and his, play, his receivers to catch the ball. 100%. It, all those things are part of it. You're absolutely right. And I also don't think it's how the game played out early on. I think once they got mm. on script, they kind of got a little bit predictable. That's what we talk yes. about in our shows. Yep. But early on, they came out throwing. I mean, they threw on the first play of the game, I believe, correct? I mean, they, they were throwing on first down plenty, which is why they moved the ball early. Then they get in the red zone and they'd stall. Mm-hmm. You know? So, yeah, they threw a little uh, little uh, outcut to Braden Lindsay or hitch cut to Braden Lindsay on the first play of the game. Yes. Yep. I believe it was an RPO. So, and that's the other thing, too, is a lot of their runs on first and second down were RPO calls where the quarterback thought the read was that he should give it. And sometimes it was, and sometimes it wasn't. Right. All right, Sean Rogers, let's simplify the defensive play calling and let these kids get after cows. O. And for the love of all things holy, can we please see Tobias this week? I agree. agree with Sean. and agree. Agree yep. and agree. I agree yes. with you.
2: 100 percent Sean, start- I just I just Brian, I just yeah. want to see four down the majority of the time for the defense and just let them go, man. Just right. let them go. Attack, I want see it. Attack, 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 yep. attack. That's
1: exactly yep. what I want to see. It's exactly what I want to see. Here's an interesting one here from Archer452, our resident Ohio State fan. Brian, I need your Toledo versus Ohio State night banger preview. You know what, Ryan? It's, it's kind of interesting. Toledo has actually looked pretty good the first two games. Now, yeah, uh, granted, they played Long Island and UMass, so basically an FCS team and a team that should be an FCS team. And, L.I.U. Uh,
2: should not be an FCS team. They should be a Division II team, but that's another conversation. They for played an today. FCS team
1: that should be <laughs> Division II, and they played an FBS team that should be FCS. Yeah. Uh, but they handled business, you know, 137 uh-huh. to nothing and uh, 55 to 10. Uh, they've run the ball relatively well the first two games. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they've thrown the ball relatively you know, okay, uh, but it's just really hard to say. The reality is, is Toledo just doesn't have a lot of talent. Ohio State has not been sharp on offense the first two no. games. That's been something that's very interesting. So, you know, for Ohio State, it's at some point in time, this is going to click. And this is what we said in the offseason Ohio State is not a good team out of the gate. We said that. That's part of the reason we thought Notre Dame could beat them because they have mm-hmm. not been a good team the first two, three weeks of the season for a while. And, uh, you know, last year they didn't, they were getting outplayed by Minnesota until Ibrahim got hurt. When he went hurt, yeah. that changed the whole complexion of that game. And then they mm-hmm. lost to Oregon early. This is not a great early season team. I don't know why that's the case. You know, but like beating Arkansas State last year, they didn't like the world last week. They didn't like the world on fire for me last week against Arkansas State. Now, I think part of that, Ryan, was -hmm. a bit of a letdown from the Notre Dame game, you know, because the emotional high, not not a letdown, a come down from the Notre Dame win. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I think that's part of it, Uh, you know, but this is going to be a game where they should get back on track. Their run game's been eh, like their run game was really good in the fourth quarter against Notre Dame, late third Mm -hmm. and fourth quarter, but Mm -hmm. it struggled early. They didn't run the ball. They actually ran for fewer yards against Arkansas State than they did against Notre Dame. So that's the part of the side of the ball that I'm very curious about. I'm very curious to see what they can do on on their run game. That's going to be the thing because look, they're going to win. It's and it's not going to be competitive, you know. But but my question for 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 them is, can you can you run the football? I mean, look. Mm -hmm. UMass gained a 205 yards rushing last week against Toledo. Uh, you should be able to run the ball. Now they ran it 54 times, but still, you should be able to run the ball. And that's going to be the big question for me is can they get the run game going? That's you said be- UMass you, you did that, you said? Yeah. Fighting Don yeah. Browns, man. I know, right? <laughs> uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes. But it should be – it'll be a blowout, but it's just – will it be a blowout where they actually start looking like the team that you expect them to be? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's uh, that's interesting. Toledo.
2: Toledo is a is a well coached football team, though. I think they done a pretty pretty good job with that program really in general. They don't have great yeah, players. They just don't have a lot of skill. I mean, they had the one kid, Matt Landers, who was the Georgia transfer, but he left for Arkansas this offseason, right. right? So, like, they just don't have a lot of talent on the perimeter right. especially. But they'll play tough inside the tackles, and, I mean, they have a couple of good linebackers, a couple of defensive linemen. Dallas Gantt they there
1: from Ohio State, you know, so yes. they got them playing there. Oh, you know, Dallas so.
2: can't revenge game, baby. Yeah, it.
1: there you go. And uh, no, that's not, gonna go well. not <laughs> going to go well. That's not going to lie to you. Uh, but no, I, I'll tell you this, Jason Candle. They in the, the, the coordinators mm-hmm. he hired, like they they are a well coached football team. You're Absolutely gonna have to outplay them, and that's why it's a it's a good sign. You know, I thought it's a good sign if you can go out and have success against Tilly like you should. It's a good sign. Yep. All right, Mike Sullivan says uh, Saturday afternoon we will be talking about a different team. I'm not saying Pine is a better quarterback than Tyler, but he is going to be the shot they need. I'm staying positive. I, I will say this, Ryan. What Mm -hmm. happens is, is if Tyler Buckner or if Drew Pine does come out and play that well Saturday, oh, this is why you should have started from the beginning. I hate that crap. What I hope is that you can. Tyler was not, Tyler did not play well. He missed too many shots last week, too many opportunities Mm -hmm. last week, Mm -hmm. but the offense didn't play well. What I'm hoping, and and, but all that aside, here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that the line, that the receivers, that the coaches, that the backs, that everybody says, hey, you know what? We do love Drew. We do respect Drew. They respect the Tyler Buckner. But Drew's just got to, you know, he's it's just that backup quarterback syndrome, right? Like, hey, the backup's in the game. I got to step up my game and and have his back. And if the team does that and the coaches make the changes, then I do expect the offense to look a lot better. It's not going to yep. be because Tyler's not in the game. It's what we've said all along. Drew Pine is good enough to beat 10 teams on their game schedule. That's what we felt mm-hmm. coming into the season. But mm-hmm. he's got to play well. But the stuff around him has to be better. And I don't care who they put at quarterback the first two games. It wasn't going to go well the way that the rest of the team was playing. Okay. And that's going to be the key.
2: But my, my favorite quote ever from Dick Vermeil was, do you remember when Trent Green got hurt for the Rams in that 99-2000 season? He said, we're going to rally around Kurt Warner. We're going to play good football. That's what we need right now from Drew Pine, right? right. Like Drew Pine isn't a scrub. Like he could play a little bit, man. You got to rally around Drew Pine and you got to play good football. That's just all that needs to happen moving forward here. And we'll see what yep. happens. We're getting a lot of this
1: stuff right here. The worst 2K, big men, HD. If I don't see 15, that's Tobias Merriweather, I'm going to lose it. Another person said if they don't see him, they're going to puke. I mean, look, we kind of do this as fans, right? Like, oh, you know, play the guy that's not playing. And and I get that. But in this instance, this kid's really freaking good. You all have raved about him in the past. If you don't have trust in him because he doesn't know the whole offense or whatever the case may be, that's a you problem, not a Tobias Mm -hmm. problem. I've said this before. I've talked to people around the defense. I've talked to people associated with players and players, all that type of stuff, and they all say, man, this kid is really good. This mm-hmm. 15 is really good. And you know, there's no attitude problems. I mean, he's one of your more technically advanced players coming out of high school. There's no excuse not to have played him, Ryan, none. Mm-hmm. And I'm not typically someone who's just played a freshman because of his rankings. Like, play this kid. Because what you're seeing on Saturday is not very good, at least not the way it's being utilized. And mm-hmm. I believe if you put him in a game and use him, then that will help make other guys better. It's not even that Tobias is going to go nine catches for 160 yards. It's not that. It's that if he can give me four for 60, that's going to mm-hmm. then make him a weapon that then says, hey – Boundary defense, you got to respect 15, which is then going to open up some of the stuff for Michael Mayer working across the field. It's going to open up some of your field looks and things along those lines. So it's not even just about him. But if you put Jaden Thomas into the boundary, nobody's scared of that right now. Nobody. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he just got owned by Marshall's Corners. And I know I'm coming down on Jaden, but he's just not ready for that role yet. So don't make him own that role by himself. Yep. Give him some help. And then that takes some of the pressure off of Jaden. And then Jaden starts to play better. You see what I'm saying? So this isn't a a situation where it's like, oh, this guy sucks and play the guy that I thought was a big time recruit. Well, I know this kid's got a lot of talent. There's no excuse not to play him. None. Mm -hmm. Like we the things, some of the things we heard about you know, Jordan Johnson, some of the attitude things, you know, not going to class, get into some trouble. You haven't heard any of that stuff with with this kid. There's no excuse. And so if not now, when's it gonna happen? North Carolina road game BYU in Las Vegas. If it doesn't happen now, what's the point? And if they're talking what? about red charting a freaking wide receiver that was a top hundred recruit, I quit. I quit on them. I quit on this, I quit on the staff if that's the case, man. I'm serious. I'm I'm quitting on the offensive staff if that's the case. Because I'm being hyperbolic, but it's absurd. It's absurd. There's no excuse for it, Ryan. And so I understand mm-hmm. the people's frustration. Sometimes I'm like, hey guys, like Oh, play Jalen Steep. Jack Kaiser ain't no Dame's problem, right? Uh, you know, yep. Jack Kaiser's played pretty decent football the first two weeks, right? Uh so yeah, I get playing one and see Jalen seed and they should play Jalen Seed, but that's more of just give Jack some breathers and you know, let you know, those type of things. You know, play junior, sure, but it's not like bench JD Bertrand, it's just you know, give junior some snaps as well. It's those type of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's so it's not like, oh, just play all the freshmen. But in this instance, your most talented receiver, your most talented wide receiver has sat on the bench for every single freaking snap while your offense scores 12 and a half points a game.
2: Brian, how how excited would you be if the first play of the game is in the boundary and they just throw a goal ball to him for a big game? How excited would you be? Well, I can't.
1: I won't be sided at all because I'm in the press box and I'm not allowed to cheer. But on the inside, <laughs> on the
2: inside, I'll well, be what are you? Well, what are you going to say at the uh, in the post game show? Then maybe I should rephrase that. Maybe not in the about freaking time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs>
1: that's what I'm going to say. That's that's oh, what I'm it. going to say. I love there, it. That's absolutely what I'm going to say. All right, I will. I will be that guy on Saturday, but I'm not. And honestly, though, I'm, I don't anticipate it. We've been down this road too long. It, it's mm-hmm. too many times, and this is the same mentality that we that has existed before, previously with this. It's yeah. like we just got to learn to trust them. No, no. How about you just put him out there and give the kid a shot? Because if if this is what trust looks like, is if what we've seen from that position is what trust looks like, I don't want trust because mm-hmm. that's not trust, right? Trust them to do what? Get beat for a hitch route and let the guy run it back for a touchdown? That that's you trust that? You trust right. that. Because right. I could do that. I could go out and play against Marshall and and get knocked down and let a guy pick six me with the game on the line. I can do that. Yeah, you man. know? So I mean, I'd hate to see what, what not trusting a guy looks like. We are it's, not Marshall. Says, yeah. I want to see a shot down the field that hits. If I hear in the postgame that Notre Dame was aggressive but didn't get one to connect, we are 0-3. I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to see Notre Dame doing enough to win this game unless the defense just dominates Cal if mm-hmm. they're not able to connect on a deep ball in this game, right? It's yeah. hard for me to see that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's like slight hyperbole, right? Like, I, I think I Notre Dame could. You don't me, think it's, it's at not, all?
1: No. At all? No, because otherwise they're just going to load you in the – because number one, it means you're mm-hmm. either A, not calling a lot, or B, mm-hmm. you're not hitting them. Now, because what have we seen from this offense that makes us think they're going to take in a bunch of RPOs that go five-yard throws and screens that go for 50? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We don't think they can run the ball on them. They haven't shown us a lot of a perimeter game right so far. So if they're not sure. hitting a, a couple deep shots, then the only thing I can think of is the Notre Dame defense just destroyed Cal and gave them a bunch of 15-yard fields, right? I mean, they're going to have to do something to ca- at least connect on a shot down the field, in my opinion, to to win this game. I really do. Yeah. I, I, Ryan, this is a team scoring 12 and a half points. A I game. know. I know. But they I get scored it. 15 I get it.
2: points against I it. Marshall. I get it. I guess, I guess, still in my, in my mind, though, I'm just like, but they are still more talented than Cal. They are so like, even more talented than Marshall. I, I get that. I get that. I get <laughs> you're, that. You're, you're still having that,
1: coming. You're still having a hard time coming to grips with what we've seen the first two weeks.
2: I, I no, trust me, man. My uh, my, my my head and my heart have have died already in the first two weeks. Yes. So I, I I've come to grips with it. It's just still there's like still a fraction where I'm like, but they are more talented, so they can still win an ugly game. Right. But yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I, they haven't shown that they can win an ugly game. That's that's, that's the, very that's fair. The problem.
1: It's very fair. And teams are just going to keep loading the box. Daniel Daniel Scott's basically going to be like their fifth linebacker in this game. You know, or fourth linebacker, depending on the alignments they go with, if you don't hit some shots, why Why wouldn't you? Because we, we've been saying all week how smart we think Jackson Sir- or Peter Sermon and J- Justin Wilcox are, right? Mm-hmm. So if we think they're smart coaches, why would they not say, We're going to load the box and make you beat us uh, that's down what they're the gonna field. do. That's what they're going to do. Yeah. No. And if you can't do that, then, you know, uh, who, who knows? Who mm-hmm. knows? Let's get to some more questions here. Joseph Salvatore says, um, Salvatore or Salvatore. I'm just going to go Salvatore because I'm going to sound it out. Uh, if I get that wrong, my Italian wife's going to be very mad at me. If Notre Dame gets the the win and can eke out a win against North Carolina, does our outlook on the season change?
2: Sure. I mean, yeah. If, if you're two and two, it's a lot different than being 0 and 4, or 1 sure. and 3. I mean, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It would change a lot. Like, it's not going to change in the fact of like before the season, your expectations were like, hey, let's, let's, maybe make a playoff run this year, right? Like let's let's mm-hmm. be that type of team that can compete, right? It's not gonna change that outlook. But right now, Joseph, absolutely our outlook is that we're 0-2, right? I mean right. as a as a as a fan base. I mean, so yeah, it'll change the outlook for sure. You you have a lot more there's a lot more positivity if you beat Cal and North Carolina at the next couple right. of games. Cause then you can kind of justify not justify, but you can kind of look at this season and say like, hey, this could still be a successful season in a first year of a head coach. It won't be the great season that you want to have but you can mm-hmm. it'll definitely change the outlook for sure no question yep. absolutely you
1: know for me ryan mm-hmm. it's hard for me to look past this game and even think about beating north carolina yeah just because of the concerns i have about just the lack of the lack of because and, and this is probably unfair to tommy reese what i'm about to say is probably unfair to coach reese
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's just knowing that he was a player for Brian Kelly and knowing that he spent all but one year of his coaching career under Brian Kelly. I, I, what was one of my biggest, I had many concerns, issues with Brian Kelly, but one of them was stubbornness Mm -hmm. and, and putting the focus on others instead of owning it himself. And, and we haven't seen coach Reese be put in that situation before where he's had to own it. So there's just the uncertainty of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was always easy for us to kind of blame Brian Kelly, and and Kelly did this, and Kelly did that, and handcuffed him here, and handcuffed him there. Well, no one's doing that, I don't think now, and and right. so it's about are you able to get this unit prepared to execute? It's and it, so it's just it's the unknown for me of how was he going to handle what happened last week, and just the doubts in my mind about him handling it well. Not because I don't think Tom Reese is smart; I think he's very smart. Not because I don't think Tom Reese has great potential as a coach, because I think he has great potential as a coach. It's just it's the pedigree. That's Mm -hmm. my fear. And until he shows me that he's not like Brian Kelly, that's going to be a fear of mine. And that's the opportunity that we see this weekend. If we come out and see some of the stuff that you and I have talked about and and even more so, because, again, I think Tom Reese is smarter coach, you know, probably a smarter coach than I was, especially at the same age. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm 14 years, 15, I was 14, 15 years older than Tommy Reese. You know what I mean? So, but if, if he does those things, then, then I was like, okay, okay. That's what I wanted to see. Now go build on that. But until I see it, I'm at the point now where it's like what we said all season, Ryan,
4: mm-hmm.
1: all these great things, but we'd always kind of have a caveat at the end, but now we need to go see it prove it right yeah and with coach Reese it's now I want to go see it and because he's a Brian, if he if he had never coached under Bryant let's say he spent the last four years under Sean McVay or at Ryan Day or Dabo or some other coach that I had respect for and Mm -hmm. came back now and this was his first year as an offensive coordinator and he struggled the first two games I'd say you know what don't worry about it he's a really smart guy he's going to get it fixed I I I would that's probably where I would be now I don't know that for a fact but that's where I'd probably be but Mm -hmm. the fact that Brian Kelly was his sort of coaching, you know, mentor, so to speak. That's So it's it's really unfair because I'm putting, like, my distrust of Brian Kelly onto Tommy Reese. Right. But he's got to show me that I'm wrong, and I think he can. I think if Tommy Reese kind of just says, screw it, just go, man. Just let mm-hmm. her loose. What do you got to lose? Your own too. Just let her loose. Show, her, show the world how smart you are, you know, but do it in a way that's conducive to your players playing smart. Uh, you know, and, and forget the trust and the experience and all that crap, dude. Just put your best guys on the field, put freaking Eli Raritan on the field and let him play. Put mm-hmm. Tobias Merriweather on the field and let him play. You know, put Chris Tyreen as your lead back and let him play. Turn Braden, you know, do all the stuff that we know can be done and just let just go out and, and let her rip, man. If we mm-hmm. see that from Tommy Reese on Saturday, I'll feel a lot. Forget the North Carolina game. I, you know, I'll, I'll be I'll think hey, if they do that, they can. Because if they can score on Cal, they will shred North Carolina if they implement a similar uh, f- philosophical approach. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, l- what has App State done in the two games where they didn't play North Carolina
2: <laughs>
1: offensively? You Started know what I mean?
2: Seventeen and yeah. yeah, not
1: yeah. a lot. They scored yep. seventeen points against Texas A right? mm-hmm. and M, right? And had three hundred fifteen yards of offense. You know, and this wasn't a, a, an App State team that was necessarily super super dynamic last year you know scored 13 points and then 16 points in two games against Louisiana Lafayette right i mean you know come on guys scored 23 points against Miami last year so you know those are the things that um yeah yeah that that i need to see but i just i just have a hard time believing it simply because of of the Brian Kelly aspect of it i know that's not fair mm-hmm. but he's got to show me that he's got to show me that i'm wrong in feeling that way and i hope that he does 100% all right, here we go. Michael Hahn with a super chat. Zeke has no chance to block that nose given past evidence. And, and Michael, I think that's fair. Sure. And that's partly why I want to see counters. I want to see some buck sweeps. I want to see some G scheme. I want to see some outside zone because those are all things where you're going to have your guards either helping Zeke or, or down blocking and Zeke is moving. Right. Those are all things where I think we can see some of that stuff, Ryan. You know, if they're running counter to, to, you know, which whichever direction. So, like, I would actually run counter. If the guy's head up in the nose, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But if if a guy's if the guy's shaded, which they will do with the nose, they don't just line him up over the center all the time when, he, when he's shaded. I would counter to that side. I would literally run counter in G, in G scheme to that side because then the guards are whamming or hitting them down blocking on them, And you got Zeke moving. And that's another reason why the stuff that we talked about is important. That's why outside zone is important. You yep. know, um, that way you're kind of getting some work on them. And that way Zeke can cut them. You know what I mean? Because if you're running outside zone to his side, Ryan, mm-hmm. Zeke can just come off and cut him. correct? That's mm-hmm. still legal, I believe. Yep. You just yep. And Lug won't be helping because Lug should be working out there so you don't have a chance of getting a, a, a an, Ill, an illegal chop block. You know what I mean? Yep. Just cut that yep. big boy, you know? You can't do yep. that on inside zone
2: if if again if the staff comes out and says we're going to just have Zeke Corral drive block against Correa every single play then that is a coaching mistake right if we're being completely honest but sure Michael I agree I I don't disagree I I think that Zeke Corral will have a clear advantage from an athleticism perspective though so when we talk about the ability to work to the perimeter like Brian's saying with the different schemes like that could be in his wheelhouse but I mean, yeah, one-on-one against the 91 Correa kid, that, that's not going to be a recipe for success. But, again, that would be a coaching issue if that is something where they're just like, nope, hit your head against the wall, Zeke. You're just going to block this kid one-on-one every single play and drive block. Like, that's that's not the recipe for success.
1: Agree. Robert Bishop with a question. Why is the shovel pass not in our playbook? It, it seems perfect for an experienced quarterback, and anytime someone uses it on us, we get cash. Well, the big reason why, Ryan – Mm -hmm. is you can't run a shovel pass if you're getting pushed off the line yes
2: (laughs) that's that's it that's point blank to it man i mean you're 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 running run i mean you're running you're you are running the football essentially when you're an offensive line running a shovel right like you're it it, you're run action up front so if you don't have the ability to move the football or or to move the line of scrimmage i should say Mm -hmm. then it's not going to be successful. So to your point, right. and, I mean, and honestly, it's nice to see a shovel every once in a while, Robert, sure. but like, that's not a staple. They're not 0-2 because like, of I'm the not, sho- they don't yeah, have a shovel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, now, I, I but, mean, how, how many times am I running a shovel in a game? Like right. once, twice? But like, you not, and
1: I talked yeah. about that earlier in the week. You know, things you can do with Drew Pine at quarterback that you wouldn't do with Tyler. The other thing right. is you don't want to run a shovel with Tyler. And they've run in the past, but it's it's a play that you only run a couple times, really. Mm -hmm. And you catch teams, and now they have to respect it. I mean, I remember they did it for a two-point conversion against LSU in the 2017 uh, game. Remember they ran that little shovel to Josh Mm -hmm. Adams for the two-point conversion after the Michael Young score. So we've seen them do it, but it's not a staple play, to Ryan's point. However, I think they can kind of make it somewhat of a staple. They may have to if you know off of a read, as we talked Mm -hmm. about, like the power read. Where maybe mm-hmm. you're, you know, that's something you can do with Tyree or Estime if you're doing other things. So, uh, yeah. but they're not zero and two because they haven't run, and that's not what Robert's saying. But nah. you know, they're they're not zero and two. But there's a practical reason why Shovel would probably not be in my repertoire uh, mm-hmm. the first couple games, or at least you know, you may need to do it now. But uh, you know, yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to see, we'll have to see. Now, questions coming in. Some great ones here today. You guys are doing a great job of these questions. Brian and Ryan, uh, B. Ryan, Milton fan 15 says crazy hypothetical. Notre Dame runs the table the rest of the season and Hanley beats BYUSE and Clemson. Is there any chance that the college football playoff? Like, Luke, right now, I'll say this, Fair Milton enough. fan. Uh, yeah. I am just hoping that Notre Dame can beat Cal. Like, <laughs> that's my fear right now. However, in order for that to happen, you'd have to have multiple two, two loss conference games. winners. Yeah. that would have to be the case. And I just, I can, I think there will be some two loss conference winners this year. I do, but not enough for this to happen. Like we've said that Utah is out after losing to Florida, right? Because of past, there aren't two loss teams in the conversation. However, if you've got a 10 and two Notre Dame, when an 11 and one Utah, who's their only losses to Florida, Utah still has the better resume. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't care about Notre Dame beating Clemson and USC. They lost to Marshall. The only exception would be is like, let's say Marshall goes like ends up being really good this year. But then it's like, okay, 11 and one Marshall, 12 and one Marshall would have a better resume than Notre Dame because they would have beat Notre Dame convincingly head to head. There's just so much into it that that just like caught the playoff for me right now is not even on my radar. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is there a scenario in which Notre Dame could get in? Of course it's rare. We have not seen it in eight years where a two-loss mm-hmm. team had a chance to get in. Uh, but could it happen? Could this be like 07? Remember how crazy 07 was that you had a two-loss LSU team get to play for the BCS title? Because like mm-hmm. UC, wasn't that year like UCLA got beat USC last game of the regular season, which gave USC a second loss? It was just like this wild year. I think that's what, that's what the case was. Uh, now it's going to bother me because I, I remember that being the case where it was just such a weird year. But the point is, Ryan, it's unlikely. It's highly, mm-hmm. highly unlikely. And mm-hmm. and the reality is, is that is like the furthest thing from my mind at this point in time. No, no, no. They That that was not the year they lost to UCLA. They lost to Stanford and Oregon in the regular season. Am I thinking of 06? Is that the year that like a bad UCLA team? Yes, it was 06 when USC was ranked number two and mm-hmm. then they got beat in the last game of the regular season. Uh, by UCLA, who at the time had a, um, I think was, see here, what was it? Would have been the record five and they were five and five at the time, five and six was, at the time, something was, like that. Was,
2: was that when Olsen was their quarterback? Was it Drew Olson? Kevin Olson? I don't remember. I, don't I, remember. remember. I, I just remember, remember Carl Carl Durrell
1: was their was their quarterback. Patrick Cowan was their quarterback. Oh, okay, and Absolutely Khalil wrong. Bell at running back. Yeah, Patrick Cowan was their quarterback. Wow, but they had no business losing that game. Like, dude, that was the year that Notre Dame played UCLA and beat and beat UCLA. Brady Quinn had the th- pass of Samarja, they had those two mm-hmm. great ends with Dwayne Walker, at defensive end, oh, uh, yeah. but they lost to Washington that year. They lost to Oregon, they lost to Notre Dame, they lost to Washington State, they lost to Cal, and then upset U.S. number two, USC. Huh. So it was a weird year. The odds of that happening are slim, and honestly, right now. I just want to know that Notre Dame can beat Cal. I, I'm not even. I'm so far away from thinking about Clemson and USC right now. I just want to know if they can beat Cal. Like yeah. that's the biggest thing for me. Let's see if they can beat Cal. And then as they start to rack up some wins, then we can maybe say, hey, here's the scenario for Notre Dame to be a playoff team. But you, you know, I got to know that you can beat Cal first. And and you know, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing for me.
2: You know why I love it, this podcast and why everyone should give us a five star review because what <laughs> other podcast talks about Patrick Cowan?
1: <laughs> right, and Khalil Bell. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and it's talking about UCLA's upset win over USC in 2006. Uh, yeah. yeah, I appreciate that, Ryan. I like that. we will toot your own horn a little bit. I'm digging it. Yesterday, no, he you're, him, your he, horn, he Yesterday, up. he calls up. Uh, well, I only looked it up because you asked me if it was if it was uh, Kevin Olson uh, or right. one of the Olson brothers. But uh, yeah, it's like yesterday. Ryan tells everyone how good looking he is, and how smart he is. I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Uh, it's I'm digging it. Cajun Domer with a, with a question, uh, Brian and Ryan, could y'all rank the green jerseys? I prefer the darker green. 2016 is my favorite. I've kind of blocked out everything from 2016. They yeah. ran green <laughs> again. They wore green in uh, San Antonio against Army in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I kind of like the problem for me with the green jerseys is, and a lot of times they've worn the green. They have wear those mustard pants, and I think those those mustard pants do not look good in the green and with green, in my opinion. I thought the best green jerseys, in my opinion, were the mm-hmm. 2015 green jerseys against Boston College. I thought those jerseys were excellent in person. They were hard to see on to TV, though. That yeah. was the problem because the numbers were also green. And mm-hmm. so they looked sweet in person, but they were really hard to see on TV. I mm-hmm. thought that uniform would look better with white pants. They wore green pants that day. I thought it would look better with white pants. But I just don't like the green jerseys with the white with the white, the yellow pants. The other thing is the green jerseys with the, um, the blue numbers. Mm-hmm. I don't like as much either. And I like, I like, you know, green jerseys with yellow numbers, to be honest with you, I think those kind of look the best, but then I don't like those with the yellow pants the the mustard pants. So it, it's, uh, I, I, I'm not a huge, huge fan of the green jerseys to be completely honest with you, but, uh, I think there's a way to do it right. that I really like, mm-hmm. um, just,
2: you know, I was just, I was trying safe. to look up a couple as you were talking, but yeah, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a huge green fan in general, yeah. if I'm being honest, like not, I'm not even just jerseys. Like I'm just not a green yeah. fan. Maybe it's because I, maybe it's because I grew up kind of a Philadelphia Eagles hater throughout most yeah. of my life, but I'm just not a big green guy.
1: As a Notre Dame fan and a Boston Celtics fan, I have to uh, push have to back like a little it. bit on that. I have to <laughs> like a little bit, you know, yeah. but green is one of those colors, Ryan, that it has to be done. Right.
2: Yes. That's also the big agree. thing. It has to also be done.
1: Agree. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and and I'm actually going to find something here because I I, want to try to refresh my memory. I don't know if it was simply because of the way the game was played. And somebody just sent me a a DM on Twitter that just popped up on my notifications that reminded me of Notre Dame USC 2005. Someone just said
2: that in the chat. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. I
1: I did like that green with because they had but again, they had gold pants, not mustard pants. And that's the key. But they had the, but those were gold. Jer- those were the gold numbers. That's what I liked about those jerseys. Ryan was the gold mm-hmm. numbers. Mm-hmm. I love the green that Notre Dame has recruits wear on the jerseys. What I don't like is the blue numbers. Yeah, right. That's what I don't like. And then the mustard pants. If you could give me like the gold 2019 BC pants with green jerseys and and like gold numbers, then I'd feel a lot better about that. But the problem is those gold numbers don't match the current color of the golden helmet as much as they would of the 2005 color of the helmet that's the issue.
2: can i can i ask you a mailbag question i'm gonna sure. throw it out there what do you hate more the mustard pants or the triple option triple option wow yeah. okay all right
1: yeah i hmm. dislike the mustard pants i don't hate the mustard pants i hate gotcha. the triple option <laughs> there's no no question
2: i want to start a, i want to start a i want to start a weekly article that's named something after the triple option i don't yes. even know what it would be about but just to just remember i'm the only person with publishing power that's so true
1: you can write that's it true. all you want and it ain't can publish <laughs> <laughs> a question from salty virginia peanuts do you think much of no names game plan issues come from trying to be too, to go too complex uh so that having a reductionist this is another reason to should have a five star because we have people in our chat that use the word reductionist approach. We'll show it's, immediate it's dividends.
2: Salty. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Salty, by the way, I have a can of salty Virginia peanuts. Literally, he gave us for each of the staff members. So I'm gonna hold yep. on to it till the next time you're back in town. Yeah. Uh, and uh same with Sean. I'll give Vince his this week as well. But um I look there has gotta be a comp- there's gotta be a, a, a proper compromise. Like I don't I don't think Notre Dame necessarily ran a million plays against against uh marshall it's Mm -hmm. just some of the stuff was so easy to to kind of figure out and and i think maybe they practice too much volume it's not so much what you call it's like what are you practicing my whole thing is i actually want to see a more diverse usage of personnel than what we've seen and then Mm -hmm. scale back the depth of your scheme for now and and because you know they keep talking about how young they are where you got your, your leading receivers a sophomore you're starting you know, quarterback is a redshirt sophomore, technically a redshirt freshman. Yeah. You know, your your two top two top two of your top three running backs are sophomores. Much of your receiver depth is freshmen and sophomores. Your two most talented tight ends after your starter are freshmen. Your two left tackle, your two offensive tackles are sophomores. So they are young, which makes it even more gives you even more reason to say, "Hey, look the the easiest thing to do from a complexity standpoint, in my opinion, is formations." I would rather do that than the plays Cause then, you know, Hey, look, no matter what we're doing, know how to get lined up, but you know what this play is, you know, what we're doing here. And that's an also also a reason why I think RPO needs to be a part of this too, right? Because that's where some of your complexity can come from, even though for the offense, it's not a lot of different things. Right. I think that's part of it as well for me.
2: I I, I think it's more, a. I don't think it's a complexity versus simplicity issue all the time for Notre Dame. I think it's more a, I don't want to say misevaluation, but I, I think it's overthinking things sometimes. Right. If I'm being honest, like I mean, which, which leads to what? To overcomplicating your process. There sure, you like I get that. Yeah, complex.
1: Yeah. What I th- Ryan's point is: complex doesn't always mean you're running eight million plays. Sure. Yeah. Right. That's not always what complexity means. Mm-hmm. You can be too complex with your formations, motions, and shifts. You can, you can, if you're not doing it correctly.
2: No. It's, There's a it's lot of different like,
1: ways it can manifest itself.
2: Yeah. It's just like, Brian, like, is is it – it's a very simplistic thing to just say, like, hey, once in a while I'm just going to throw a bubble screen out there, right? And, like, that's what you saw early in the game last, last week. Like, yeah, it's an RPO, so it's got, like, a little substance to it. But, like, the majority is like, hey, I'm just getting a bubble screen out there. I'm just getting a five-yard out out there off of RPO action. Like, that's that's simplistic stuff, man. And I think that Notre Dame has the athletes where they can make that stuff work, but just for whatever reason – They've overcomplicated their thought process. I don't think it's complex, though, from a structure perspective. I think it's an overcomplicated thought process, if I'm being honest. Like, it's right. – I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question, though. It's a good question.
1: Somebody – we were talking about the 2007-2000 college football season, and somebody had, had mentioned a comment about it. I'm actually going to look this up because I didn't remember this part about it. But if he's, yeah. The, you know how wild the 2007 season was? Do you know mm-hmm. who the who played in the Orange Bowl that year and was eleven and one going to the Orange Bowl that year in two thousand seven?
2: Yeah, Kansas. Yeah,
1: yeah. But you had you had the winner of the ACC had, had uh, all had three losses. Now mm-hmm. some of those might have been bowl games, right? So that's part of it too. Uh, yeah, like Kansas beat Virginia Tech, you know. But you had you had they all had at least two regular season losses. Mm-hmm. The winner of the Big Twelve, uh, Kansas actually was a t- had a, had one loss in the regular season. Uh, Missouri was the representative of cuz so Missouri beat Kansas head to head which then locked them into a rematch with Kansas in or Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game so this number number wh- the number 1 ranked team in the Big 10 Big 12 going to that game was Missouri and then they played Oklahoma but Oklahoma had two losses already that year they lost to Kansas State or Colorado and Texas Tech that year uh, West Virginia that season was a, a another team that had two regular season losses. Uh, so, I mean, Ohio State in the Big Ten that year, they had well, one loss. That's why they played for the title that year. They lost to Illinois. Remember that? They had Todd Beckman at quarterback, mm-hmm. lost to Illinois. <laughs> they got blasted by uh, LSU in the title game. Uh, yeah. Let's go down here to uh, BYU that year, was, was had two. So, USC, the winner of the Pac 12, had two losses. Uh, the winner of the SEC East, Tennessee, had three regular season losses and then mm-hmm. lost in the in, in the SEC title game uh, to LSU. So your SEC East champ had four losses. Your SEC West champ had two losses and played for the title. And and then you go down. And then if you remember correctly, that Hawaii team that year was pretty good, and and Hawaii was undefeated until they played Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. So that was one of those weird years where there was not a single undefeated power five team. And honestly, the only power five team that I can see that had one regular season loss, there were two Kansas Mm -hmm. and Ohio state. That was it of the power Mm -hmm. five teams. That's been 15 years, right? Mm -hmm. And we haven't seen that again. So maybe that happens again. And Notre Dame gets in sure. Uh, And I love that we have an audience that, that remembers that stuff and going to point us in that direction. That's so why I love this community, and 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 I and
2: I really do. I really I, I I miss the Big Twelve being that fun, man. They were fun yes. back then. I mean, yes. Todd racing and Mark Mangino at Kansas. You mentioned, I mean, Colorado was better back then. They were a decent football team. Mike Leach was at Texas Tech. Mike Leach was yep. at Texas Tech. That's a lot yep. of fun. I, yep, man. Texas that's was that's good it. back then. I mean, that
1: was that was right West, in, but that Virginia was the was, that a was the Vince that was the Vince Young to Colt uh, Colt McCoy transition. Uh, West Virginia that, that wasn't was, in the Big Twelve back then. They yeah. were still that, a Big East team.
2: That's when Missouri should have. Yeah. Th- Missouri should always be in the Big Twelve and for whatever reason. Yes, Nebraska you know, was of, in the Big Twelve back
1: then. Yeah, that was A&M like Chase. Was, yeah. That was
2: like Chase Daniel, Jeremy Macklin yep. from Missouri, yep. probably back yep. then. Yep. Yeah, that, yeah, that Chase fun, Daniel man. was
1: the quarterback. Yeah, you still had A and M in the Big Twelve mm-hmm. uh, back then. La- that year, the A, uh, the Big Twelve had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams. That year with a winning record out of twelve teams.
2: Do you remember? Do you remember how much fun the Texas Texas A and M rivalry oh, was yes. back then, man? Like with the oh, like yes. Javorsky Jivors, Lane it and all it those. Always dudes either
1: and, was it on Thanksgiving? or Was it the day after Thanksgiving? I, I can't
2: remember. remember, but I used to watch it every year. Yeah, I, watch I think it, it was always
1: year. on a a Friday or Saturday. If I remember, I remember correctly,
2: I remember Texas was really good with Vince Young the one year. It may have been the year before they played national championship because I think Texas was undefeated the year. Right, they beat which year? I remember. Ju- um, I, what, before the 05 game or whatever. Okay. Yeah. So when, when, before they played USC in the Rose Bowl, I think it was the year before and Texas A&M beat them. I don't think Texas A&M was that good that year, but they had like Steven McGee and Javorsky Lane and Mike Goodson might've been on that team too. Year, if I'm yeah. Right. So, so 2004, I guess it would be. Would that
1: be I think you're talking 03
2: 3 it maybe. May, no, maybe. I'm
1: looking to see cause 04 the uh, yeah. the only loss that Texas had that year was to Oklahoma. Hmm. And they beat Texas A&M. Was it, was it 06? Was it a Colt-McCoy team? Because they didn't may, beat it Maybe it was a Colt-McCoy might team. Might have been a may Colt-McCoy, a Colt-McCoy team, team when Texas was really good. They lost to maybe A&M that. in 2006. That might be uh, it. And so that was a year. And then 07, they were pretty good and lost to A&M. They were ranked 13th and lost to A&M. Uh, 08, they beat A&M. And 0-9, they beat AM.
2: and Had to be 0-6 so, or 0-7 yeah. Then I just I just remember watching that game and they the Texas AM had Stephen McGee and Javorski Lane and Mike Goodson and Jeff Fuller was Fuller a wide receiver right? Like he was a bigger guy. I think if he, was, correctly. Huge. he yeah, was huge. He was huge, really. Yeah, big. and
1: they weren't that good. They had lost two in a row coming into that. Yeah, game. they weren't
2: they weren't a good team that yeah. year, but they beat Texas on Thanksgiving mm-hmm. or the day after whatever it was. Yep, yep. That's an that's an interesting team.
1: Interesting. Actually, I'm gonna look up. I'm gonna look up their stats that year, Texas A&M stats, to just kind of see who uh, who they had on that team. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I do miss those rivalries, and it's why I just don't like. Yeah, Stephen McGee was their quarterback. Javorski Lane yep. that you mentioned. Uh, Mike Goodson, remember him? He was yep. a burner. Yep. He was on yep. that team.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Receiver wise, you had Chad Schroeder. Martellus Bennett was oh, on that Bennett. roster. Nice. Yeah, Jeff Fuller oh, hey, I think hey. was
2: a little later. They had Michael. They had uh, Michael Bennett on that team then too. If they Martellus was on, right? The defensive um, line, defensively. I'm not. It doesn't yeah. say here. Let me look. Well,
1: actually, gotcha. here we go. Let me see if I can get tackles. For I don't think yeah, he was yeah. that good at Texas. Michael Bennett. Yeah. And Chris Harrington, Melvin Bullet. Michael Bennett was on that team. Yep. So nope. Melvin Bullet. That's a great name. They weren't great, but like you said, they beat Texas. That that was a great rivalry. I remember Ricky Williams basically locking up the Heisman with a great performance on a Friday against A&M, too, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh we he topped we didn't get it like he, in that game he went over two thousand yards in that game with a long touchdown yeah. run. And
2: Ricky yeah, was, was real,
1: man. He was he unreal. was really, really good. He was really, really good. No doubt about it. Here we go. We got some more. Let's work through these here. Uh the worst two K big man, man HD. Uh do you fear Tom Reese won't call outside plays? You were talking about. That's I mean, kind of what I was referring to earlier. <laughs> um with with my thing is I, I I know that Tommy Reese is more than capable of putting out a ga- putting together a game plan that will just shred yep this defense from Cal I, I fully believe it mm-hmm. but am I confident he'll do it no not I need to see him do it uh, mm-hmm. it's not about a lack of intelligence it's it's just I don't know what it is I can't put my finger on it I don't know if it's I don't know what it is I I know what he can do. I saw what he did Oklahoma state last year. I saw what he did down the stretch where they're just ripping Stanford apart and ripping Georgia tech apart and ripping, you know, everybody they played down the stretch apart. And, Mm -hmm. and I mean, I watched Sam Howell with a Herculean effort against Notre Dame last year, and it didn't matter. They could never get close enough to win because the Notre Dame offense would just rip them every time that they needed to do something. And so I know he can do it. It's just, will he, I, I I don't know. He's got to just let loose, man. It's like, I understand the precision and all that kind of stuff, and I got no problem with it. But look, that's just, that's not where your team is. You're too young for that. Get your young guys out there, simplify a little bit from a volume standpoint, get your talented kids on the field and just let them grow. You know what I mean? Make mistakes with your best players, not with veterans, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's, that's just what I don't, I just don't want to see that anymore.
2: Make fast mistakes, man. Yep. I love it. I love yep. it.
1: Sloney with a uh, says, can you guys do more of a breakdown of formations and things you see from the plays like you did after Ohio State? It helps educate people uh, who want to learn more about football. So we we did that after the Marshall game. Uh, we did show some of that stuff, and we will continue to do that. We haven't done that on this show simply because Marshall and Cal were not really conducive to that. Uh, with Marshall, it was you – know, they, they did have a new offensive coordinator – we had only seen one game against Norfolk State, and the quality of that film was not great. And with mm-hmm. Cal, we felt it was more important to spend more time talking about Notre Dame. But yeah. it's definitely a plan. We have already kind of started peeking ahead a little bit to North Carolina, so we'll have some of that stuff next week. And we already do the post game show, so that's the Sunday night, seven PM. Upon further review, we'll have some clip. We'll have some uh, different clips and different things that we will show to give you an idea of of, of more of the game. So we absolutely will be doing that, Sloney, No doubt about it. Sean S uh, with a super chat, thank you, Sean S. He says, "Who is the closest comp for Pine for Nurem's previous quarterbacks? Evan Sharpley. Excited for Saturday. Thanks for all the content, guys. He's better than Evan Sharpley was. <laughs> Way better than what Evan Sharpley was. I mean, and is yeah. it is it the start? Is it the current offensive coordinator? A I was going to say is, version is, of is, it.
2: Yeah, like he's he's a better athlete than Tommy Reese was, but like, isn't that the best comp you think? I mean, like, probably. He's got a little Reese-ish to him. He's got a little. bit I don't. Of I don't think he's yeah. I don't think. Yeah, I just think Ian's a, like a better athlete. Ian Sports had a better talented.
1: arm. Yeah, Ian had a better arm. I think they're. Yeah. I think Ian and and, and Drew are more uh, comparable from a style of play standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, That's Drew's fair. got a little That's bit fair. of gunslinger in him. Yeah, and he's a much better athlete than Tommy was. And then Ian's a better athlete than Drew is. And and of the three, Ian had the best arm. I keep yes. telling people, Ian's problem was not arm strength. Not that he had a cannon, but it was not arm strength. He could make all the throws he needed to make. He just – it was – And I hope that's
2: not a problem with Drew. Maybe if you combine Tommy Reese and Ian Book stylistically, maybe that's a – Well, and the thing too is Tommy
1: Reese and Drew Pine – Tommy Reese and Ian Book were completely different from a mentality standpoint. Tommy forced too much. He had the whole Mm -hmm. writing checks his body couldn't cash thing where Ian was like, dude, just let it rip. It's there. Throw the ball. My Mm -hmm. concern is that – I've heard that Drew turns the ball over a lot in practice. That's yeah. a concern. And and you can't afford that against this kind of team. However, I don't want him to then go to the Ian Book level of you just never take chances. You've got to find right. that sweet spot. You've got yep. to find that sweet spot. And if you can do that, then you should be good.
4: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: And we have another super chat down here from Tyler Smith. Thank you, Tyler. Uh, do you see Lindsay doing better this week that with Pine at quarterback than with Buckner? Also, please use Tyree more. I personally think Tyree can be a chiron. They're very different types of players, but from an yeah. from a from an overall impact in the game in different ways standpoint, I think you are right. I mean, they're sure. different backs; you have to use them differently, but impact wise, I could see that. Mm-hmm. I could see that. But will Lindsay do better with Pine? I mean, if Pine hits him,
2: sure. Who knows? Yeah, if Pine yeah. hits
1: him. I mean that—that's the reality. Is—is is can Pine make the reads and make the the accurate throws? I mean, Lindsey, look, Braden Lindsey should have had 150 yards receiving last week. And I'm not talking about balls he dropped or out, I'm just talking about just where he was open. He had done what he needed to do, and the ball didn't come or didn't come accurately. Braden Lindsey should have had 150 yards last week.
2: Probably, probably more than that, man. He was open a
1: lot. Yep, yep. And because you, you were there, and when yep. you're watching on TV, you may not always be able to see it all the time. But we're we're I there, and we're up, like we're man. watching. Just like, dude, throw him the freaking ball. Oh, wait, sorry, the quarterback got hit in the face before he could see it. Yep. You know, those are just the or the quarterback saw it and just missed, just flat out missed. Mm-hmm. Here's one for you, Ryan, because this is something we talked about earlier in the week. I'll let you mm-hmm. answer this. Uh, Cole Barker yep. asks, uh, Coach, how much rope are you giving the current five offensive linemen?
2: yeah cole for me it's every day is an evaluation day at this point right like your offensive line has been a problem over the first two days so i'm not saying like it going into the week of practice i'd be like all right i'm shaking things up and changing making changes but every single day is an evaluation i mean like the center position would be a competition on a day-to-day basis the guard position would be a competition the tackle position would be a competition like i i have great confidence that Blake Fisher and Joe Alt will be the guys moving forward, right? Like, that, they'll be the studs that we think they can be. But every other position, man, like, it's an evaluation day. Like, you have not played well enough for me to just say, nope, I'm just going to let the growing pains work through. You know, I see glimpses. Like, they just haven't been good. So, every day of practice, if I was Coach HeStan and Coach Watt, like, every day I'd just be like, all right, who's the best five today? Like, who, who was it? I'm not saying, like, after every day I just would cha- make a change, but, like, the evaluation period has started, man. Like it's it's a mm. short leash, it's a short rope. I I would not be afraid to make a change if if my if my guys don't start turning things around because right now right. it's not good. It's not good right, right now. Sean Rogers has an interesting question, and I agree. Mm-hmm. I'm not benching anybody yet, but they're like I yeah.
1: said, they're all on evaluation right now,
3: mm-hmm. and
1: this is the last week in which I am going to just say, hey, we're going to keep getting better. I need to see progress from all of them this week. To yes. be honest with you, Agreed. absolutely. It's an interesting comment from Sean Rogers. Raritan will be a huge mismatch this week versus Cal's Little Corners. So would Tobias and Mayer. I think the first thing I'm doing there is Mayer and Tobias.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: But, I mean, if you're going to go 12 personnel with Eli Raritan, it gives you a whole different look of what you can and can't do than it did with Kevin Bauman.
2: I- I'm interested to see it because, Brian, I mean, we saw a little 13 last week, right, where Eli did get some opportunities. So I'm sometimes that's like kind of a small step to maybe right. a larger role. So Holden so, Stace.
1: Holden Stace yeah. play a little bit, like, I think it was like three or four snaps each. Right. I'll tell you what, the most aggressive blocker they had was Eli Raritan. Yeah. Which is sad I, and yeah. encouraging all at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, really, like,
2: I, 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 I Michael I've, Mayer I, is a
1: beast, but I cannot believe how, uh, as in the past game, but I cannot believe how uh, mediocre to not below that he has been in the run game so far.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's got to have massive improvements in that department. There's, there's no, there's no excuses for it, right? Because he is a big, physically strong dude that has has moments in the in the run game. But to your point, it's just not consistent at all right now. But I mean, back to like to Sean's question: If Notre Dame throws Eli Raritan out there and he starts playing some, you know, he starts getting some legit. I, that's been my whole thing, like since the summer, Brian. Like you know, as long as Eli Raritan's healthy and holding stays for that matter as well. As long yeah. as those guys are healthy. I, they're going to get snaps down the line. Like I would be shocked if they don't play a decent amount down the stretch of the season. So if that starts this week, starts this week and I'd be very happy about it. Yeah. Well, an interesting question. We'll bring up
1: now to kind of get it out. Rob did says Brian and Ryan off topic. Cause we allow off topic. Roger Federer <laughs> announced his retirement today from competitive tennis. And your opinion is he the greatest of all time? I say yes, but uh, Djokovic is slightly behind. I'll be honest with you, Rob. I stopped paying yeah. attention, when, attention to tennis when Pete Sampras retired. Wow. That's time, a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> time, long time, I ago. thought Pete Sampras was the best, just looking at the, the you know, the, what is it called? The uh, Grand Slam events, right? Or what's mm-hmm. it called? The major events. Yeah. Man, I, I honestly haven't paid attention to tennis in a long time.
2: I, I actually so do I watch know. a little bit of tennis, man. I enjoy tennis. Yeah. Is Federer, would you
1: consider Vet Federer? I, I
2: actually like, I actually would, I like Djokovic more than Federer. And yeah. So I, well, I, I like him for, he, I like him for reasons that have nothing to do with tennis. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you ask me, if you ask me who I thought was the most dominant tennis player for a time, I would say of my lifetime, it's it's Djokovic over Federer. But Federer, was, I mean, they had some historical matches, right? Like they, they were the two best of this era, you know? So. Well,
1: that's what I liked about Pete Sampson. I think sometimes a great player needs – a great performer in sports needs a counterpart. Mm-hmm. You know, like Magic needed, needed – uh, did I say Pete Sampson or Pete Sampras? You
2: said Sampson. I I, think everyone knows what you meant though. Cause you said Sampras at first. So yeah, Pete
1: (laughs) Sampras, uh, to me, I think a great player needs someone that kind of challenges them. Mm
3: -hmm. You know what I
1: mean? And someone that can say, Hey, look, um, you know, like, like, in and Federer's had that. I do know that, again, I never watched it, Watch but I, I, I re- great. remember reading, yeah. re- you know, Rafael Nadal and him had some battles. and
2: Yeah, someone just said Nadal, too. Nadal, yeah, Nadal was know, a great so, player. This is actually just, a really good, this is like a good era of men's tennis, honestly. It is, yeah, to be honest. It yeah, was really, really good. Really, really
1: no, but I, I just remember growing up and watching him, you know, watching Sampras and uh, um, Boris Becker, watching him and Andre Agassi had some great battles because when Agassiz kind of had his. For a little bit. his comebacks you know what i mean different things like that and and uh you know there were some there were some great matches and great robbers he'd have but i feel like tennis is a sport where guys need rivals and you know and so it is good that that he's done that for sure have you ever
2: seen the movie uh Borg versus McEnroe? no that was was a pretty Uh, good movie Uh, they had a a little bit before my time well, yeah, they did. They, they, yeah, but they, they came out with one, I think, like two or three years ago. They had a Shia LaBeouf playing McEnroe. It was actually pretty, okay. pretty good movie. I liked it. I'm looking here, and it looks like four, five, six, seven,
1: eight, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So Sampras won 15 Grand Slams, mm-hmm. and Federer won 20, but he dominated Wimbledon. He won eight of them at Wimbledon. So that's interesting, yeah, yeah, and neither of them won many. Of the, like Samps, uh, Sampras only won the French Open once, and Federer only won it once. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting, uh, yeah, very, very interesting. But both of them had most, had the most, their most success at Wimbledon, which I find interesting. Mm-hmm. So, and Sampras only won the Australian Open twice, and, and that's one that Federer won six times.
3: Mm-hmm. So,
1: interesting, yeah, yeah, there you go.
2: So, uh,
1: Right, so, there you go. someone just
2: said the guy from Skyline. I think he's talking about Andy Murray. Andy Murray was another good tennis player for a little bit. Don't know who that is. This, this, like is said, a, this is I
1: stopped watching tennis when pe I liked watching tennis when I was young. I just yeah. When when you get older and I just don't have enough time to absorb and consume things like that. Plus, I mean, I'm that you know I'm an ugly American that I. I like it when it's an American dude's good, and I couldn't name you a single American tennis player right now. Where when I was watching tennis, I mean, there was other – you respected, you know, um, uh, Boris Becker. He was a great tennis player. You know, Martina Mm -hmm. Navatrilo at the time was a great tennis player. They weren't Americans, and I respected them. But there had to be some sort of American influence for me to have interest in the first place. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you had that. You had Agassi, you know, and Sampras. And they were polar opposites as human beings. Not that Agassi Mm -hmm. was a bad guy, but just like he was the – Crazy hair at first and just a wild personality and it was married to Brooke Shields and San this is really quiet, you know, like mild-mannered guy, and you know, and uh, you know, just made it interesting. And I just haven't really paid attention in a very, very long time. So uh, there you go. But uh, interesting question, Rob. Interesting question. Let's get back to football. Uh Cole Barker or, or uh, Salty Virginia Peanut says, How close do you think Billy Shrouth is to getting playing time? Have you seen anything from the fall camp? Honestly, We didn't. He was was never uh, a guy that was getting reps in in fall camp, and we haven't seen practice in a while. So I honestly, salty, I have no clue. Uh, He could have made he could have made great strides, Ryan. And if the the keep struggling, you throw him in there. I I just I couldn't tell you honestly, salty. It'd be a pure guess. And Mm -hmm. with him missing the spring to injury, my guess would be that late in the season to twenty twenty three would be my guess. But maybe he's made some strides and he's a a better player that now or not better player more ready to play guy right, yeah. than he was in fall camp because sure. he wasn't there early in fall camp when we got to see a lot of the practices. Salty also asked Ryan, mm-hmm. do you think Cal's offensive tackles are such that Isaiah Foskey should have uh, more than two sacks? For me, it's not about the number of sacks. It's the about pressure. the consistency of pressures. Yeah. Yep. That's the key. With that. And, and also that. being able to dominate the run game. Those are going to be the keys to me. Salty, if he only has – if he doesn't have any sacks in this game, but he's just constantly harassing the quarterback and then yeah. maybe resulting in his teammates getting some sacks. Like, I could see, like, Riley Mills having two sacks, and both times it's Isaiah coming on the edge, and the guy steps away and then right into Riley's arms. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, something like yeah. that. Uh You know, say, oh, wow, what a game from Riley Mills, when in reality it was Foskey that had the pressure that resulted in the sack. Like, if it's that, I, I don't care about the number of sacks. It's consistency. It's being an impactful. And then, Ryan, the big thing – that Foskey was great at last year is when mm-hmm. the defense needed to stop, Foskey was the guy that would come up and stop.
2: It. Yeah, money player. And he hasn't yeah.
1: been that guy this year.
2: Not yet. I mean, hopefully this is the, the game. I mean, because Salty to your question, like it, Isaiah Foskey is the clear advantage on paper. Like he's, oh gosh. The, he's the much more talented on player. Paper, to on paper, sure. <laughs> you know, on film. Sure. On Madden. on 2021 film sure everything
3: even on 2022 film
1: honestly he's been a better player than their tackles i mean it's it's you know it's it's and he hasn't been very good that speaks that says more about Cal's tackles than it does (laughs) isaiah foskey how dare you how dare you (laughs) hey you ripped brian driscoll so you know what i mean that's that's all i'm saying i'm just
2: ripping him for spelling his name wrong man there you go well
1: played good recovery (laughs) It yeah. took for three days to get it, but you got there. It's all that matters. I'm,
2: I'm quick it's, twitch. I'm quick there, you twitch guy. there
1: you go. Yeah. John A1, with the offensive line, is it being assignment correct, or are we back to getting a body on a body? It's it's been a lot of things, John. Assignment mm-hmm. correct is is certainly one of them. It's been a big problem. Uh, those are what the run throughs are a lot of times. That's what Josh Lug not helping Blake Fisher with an outside zone on an outside zone track and Blake Fisher thinking yeah. it's assignment correct, which oftentimes comes from a lack of a, a poor communication. It's stopping your, it's, it's fundamentals. It's stopping your feet. It's not moving. It's not playing with good angles. Like Marshall's offensive line did a phenomenal job of getting to the outside sh- uh, shoulder of the Notre Dame players on their runs. Phenomenal job. Yep. Yep. Notre Dame's defensive players did a poor job of not of, of avoiding that and getting off blocks, but Marshall's linemen did a great job. Notre Dame's linemen aren't doing that at all. Like really struggling with that. They're just not getting to the edge. They're not getting to the, sh- you know, the, the, the angles they're using are, are poor. That stuff has to start getting better too. So it's it's beyond assignment correct. It's assignment correct and not playing with good fundamentals, you know, bad bases, not moving their feet. Like there's one play against Wallace where Josh Lug just like spreads his feet, just takes on a block. And it's like, dude, you've literally clogged up the whole hole with your wide base.
3: Keep mm-hmm. your base,
1: you know, get it in. You got to have a good base, but then drive your flipping feet through contact. Uh, those are the things we're seeing. So it's it's and just and they can't, and those things then lead to the inability to finish. So you're yes. seeing guys get off blocks and get to the ball late, and uh, and then also, I, I the next time match they get a combo up at the second level, yep, I think might be the first time all season. I say a little bit hyperbolically,
2: not not fully hyperbolically, though. <laughs> like a little, yeah, yeah, you to match physicality, man. Like, that's I, I mean, outside of just the, the technical side, which you covered brilliantly, Brian, like, you have to. <laughs> Not physicality, man. Like, I just feel like there's a lot of passiveness in the blocking right now. Like it's just a lot of yeah. catching feet, not running on contact. Like, it's just, yeah, you have to be more physical than you're playing right now as well. Yep.
1: 99 problems BK one. Here's the thing. I really like Tommy Reese. I think he's part of the frustration, which, which I think is, that's part of the frustration. I actually want to see the staff kill it and it's stupid coaching things killing us. And, uh, that's a comment, not a question, Ryan, but I, I think in he's, a lot of ways, a lot on. of ways you're correct. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think he's spot on. It, it It is, it is, it's not a thing where we spent all offseason hammering time or are like, see, mm-hmm, we knew mm-hmm, it. We knew mm-hmm. he stunk. We knew it was BK. No, it's because we did have uh, a level of, yeah, you know, yeah. BK's gone and, and now he's going to go out there and do this. And it's, it's like kind of feels like we just haven't seen what he's capable of and he hasn't done what we think we thought he wanted to do, which was open that sucker up. Yep. and uh, yeah, it's frustrating. We've got a recruiter question here for you, Ryan. Keith Wiegand so, says, "Does Tayshon uh, Lions have any other official visits after this weekend to Notre
2: Dame?" As far as we know, that is the only ov that he has set up. He will be in attendance for the Cal game, and if everything goes well, Brian, I mean we 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 anticipate this recruitment getting wrapped up relatively quickly. So we'll see what happens after the game. Got a question
1: here from Irish Chi-Town. Brian, do you think we'll see more Max Protect against Cal? I really hope not, man.
2: I hope you don't need well, to. unless
1: <laughs> Max Protect is there's four guys outside and you only have one back. But, I mean, obviously, if yeah. we are being tr- true to what Max Protect means. Look, I just – I don't know – I don't know if, uh, if we're in a situation, Ryan, where you're going to be able to scare them enough running the football – Mm-hmm. to be effective with your max protection stuff that mm-hmm. that's my that's yeah. my concern um I, so i did want to pull this up ryan because we are we we did get um we did get uh, i want to pull this up we're going to share we're going to share the screen a little bit okay and uh notre dame has released what the jerseys are going to look like this weekend so hopefully nice. this screen share thing will work we'll see all right it did so I do Ooh. want to pull this up here real quick, and they are going to have name plates on the jerseys. You see, the uh, mustard pants are still a prominent thing. Um, I kind of like those. Ryan, those are yeah, the those, white, are, those yeah, are sick. Those are the sick. white numbers, the, the
2: white letter numbers or or letters
1: are awesome. I would still rather see gold numbers, but you know, like I said, I don't love the blue numbers. But those, uh, those I like those. The the gold like.
2: trim makes it look pretty nice, though. Yeah, outside does. of blue numbers, it so. does.
1: It does. So yeah, I like those. Oh, those mm-hmm. are sharp. Those are sharp.
2: Going to get a turnaround uh, this week, Brian. It's not I a guarantee. So. Going to get I, a hope so.
1: I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so. Here's one from John A. One. If the IB staff is correct, and this this is this a game for outside runs for tire, Chris Tyree needs uh, for outside runs. Chris Tyree needs a minimum 12 rushes and 16 overall touches this game. Would you say that is correct or incorrect,
2: Brian? I I think that that would be a very good number, John. I mean, again, like. It, I think that it depends what what the flow of the game is. There's there's some context that I would kind of need to know to put an exact number on it. But like Mm -hmm. 16 touches for Chris Tyree sounds fantastic to me. It sounds wonderful. I I welcome Mm it. Uh, Antoine Johnson said a big difference in tennis
1: is grass or clay. On clay, the surface is much faster and the grass, the game is Mm -hmm. slower. I know Wimbledon's on grass. French Open's on clay, correct, if I remember correctly? uh i believe probably. it is i believe the probably. french open is on clay so that would explain why you know maybe that's why those guys weren't great clay players so then the u.s open is on an artificial surface correct it's not i believe so yeah it's not grass or clay i believe so anyway interesting stuff see and this is another reason that we need a five-star review because what other podcast will you actually get random questions about the greatest tennis player of all time i know there's some <laughs> you may talk about soccer but uh we're not doing that <laughs> All right. John Lacey asked a really good question, Ryan. Why mm-hmm. do you guys think they aren't punching back?
2: Because you don't see the, the line of scrimmage moving, John. I mean, you just don't. On both sides of the ball right now, man. And again, the, why is that happening against a Marshall team, right? And like, there's no disrespect to Marshall. I mean, I was, I was talking very nicely about Marshall. I thought before the game, like I like mm-hmm. Ethan Driscoll, their left tackle, and they have a couple of players on that defense that I like a ton, but. The fact of the matter is, is that Notre Dame is a much more talented team across the board, right? So if you're not creating movements, it's either a large technical thing or it's a lack of want to or lack of push. And I do think there was a lack of just physicality to kind of punch back. So I I
1: think it's a mindset thing, Ryan, for me, it goes even deeper than just like what you said is correct. That's the end result of it. That's what it looks like practically. But I just think it's a team that doesn't have confidence And, and and and. like, I thought they punched back against Ohio State. They just didn't have – they just didn't execute well. They mm-hmm. didn't punch back against Marshall, and to me, that's in your head. That's in your head, and that's in your heart. And so when you talk about what we're going to learn about this team this week, do they have leadership, and does this team have heart? Yeah. Because if this team has heart, they're going to come out playing, like, this is the flipping Super Bowl on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're just going to come out flying around. You know what I mean? And and that's kind of that's what I want to see. Yeah. So, uh, you know, like <laughs> – it's like the comments like this are absurd. Like I'm sorry, they are China. China Phillips says the defensive line is too small to understand why we thought we would compete with this, this defensive line because this is the defensive line they competed with last year.
2: Yeah, you like, you literally and, just went and the and only with
1: person that you lost really from last year's line that's bigger than the current starter because you got 30 pounds heavier at the big end position from last year with Riley mm-hmm. compared to Myron. It's Kurt Heinisch, and your best defensive lineman is Howard Cross so far. So yep. you can't say that's an issue. So why did we think they would compete? Because this was a really good defensive line last year. I mean, it's an mm-hmm. absurd comment. Absurd comment.
2: It is. Um, it is. Especially because what, what the one context you just said is that Howard Cross has been easily, in my opinion, the best defensive line so far. And he's your, far, he's your smallest guy. Ohio <laughs> like State
1: couldn't block him. Yeah.
2: Marshall couldn't block him. He out of sack
1: on the first base. 270-pound nose guard. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's been playing really so, well. Good for him, It's not him, a though. size problem. It's not. No. Because it's Agreed. the same dudes as they had last year. Mm-hmm. Let's see here, uh, John A. One. We are not Marshall. If Notre Dame can get Tyree three to five touches in space, great. But he needs to get running back carries, twelve rushes, especially in a game where Notre Dame wins. Needs to win the edge is a Tyree run game based on the backs. However, oh. I will say this: some of the running back carries that he needs to get are running back or are outside space oriented. plays, yeah, yeah, outside zone buck sweep some of the counter stuff, those are traditional running back runs, but also ones where you're trying to create space. So it can and be that's the same the difference. That's what you're saying. Yeah. And that's yeah. that yeah. like, so to me, like an inside zone run is trying to create a crease. It's not trying, trying to create space outside zone is similar, but it's more of a space play because you're trying to, you're trying to widen gaps as you're working for width. Right. And, and but gap schemes, like that's what a, count, a counter is essentially a gap scheme. If you're running it correctly, a buck mm-hmm. sweep is a gap scheme. If you're running it correctly, those are space runs. When you go watch when Notre Dame would run the buck sweep in 2017 with Chip Long and Harry Easton, that was their that was a huge play for them. I mean, they scored yes. a long touchdown on that against uh, a Ball State or Miami of Ohio. They scored a long touchdown on that uh, against North Carolina. That that those are the first two that pop in my head. That was a space play. You're trying to widen out and then create space for your running back to to have a, a vertical insertion for. And so yeah, I want to see more of that stuff, to be honest with you, because mm-hmm. you're you're not really working well in the double team. So do things where you're creating more gaps, you know, would be an option. But at the end of the day, it's just about it's about executing what you're doing. But yes, you can't just run Chris Tyree on now screens and toss sweeps and jet sweeps all game. No, mm-hmm. he needs to be your lead back. And some of that is the inside zone stuff. Because if if you're running here a lot and then you come back with here counter back. All of a sudden, you've created that lane, and he can gash that thing. I mean, I think think the first touchdown run of his career, I believe, was on a counter. Wasn't his first touchdown run against Florida State in 2020? I believe it was. I could be wrong on that. I'm going to go look now uh, Mm -hmm. to see if I'm correct on that. But no, it was South Florida. He ran for a touchdown against South Florida. But his touchdown run against Florida State was on a counter play. His touchdown run against Clemson in the ACC title game was an inside zone where he cut it all the way back right and so you got to be able to do those things as well as getting him outside yep. and and that's the thing that that we need to see uh, his his 90 uh, something yard touchdown running in Syracuse is also an inside zone play that he cut back right I mean so we have seen him do those things he just needs the opportunity now to do those things and we'll see if he's going to get it or not I have my doubts but we'll see his longest run of last year also was an inside zone play that he cut back against Stanford uh Mm -hmm. should should note that as well so yeah you can't just go out there and run outside zone and stuff like that all the time yep warren Forens asks uh what are do we expect from their name passing game against Cal? and i will have the same answer i had before ryan if you want to add to it i don't know i don't don't know know. what they're going to do and that's the frustrating thing what would i I like they need to
2: do i would like efficiency for them to hit a couple big plays that's yeah that's that would be it but i have no idea right now we'll see
1: yeah Here's an interesting one. Irish blooded. Do you feel the linebackers are being too
2: aggressive and taking themselves out of position for protection? Uh, No. I think they're being, I think there's a lack of aggression. I think it's the complete opposite. In my opinion, I think that they are, they're getting contacted like three to four yards down the field. I just, I I think their trigger is really slow right now. I don't think that it's a lack of aggression. I really don't. I think it's a lack of aggression and I think at times, specifically to Maris Poufal, and, and you know everyone knows I'm a big Maris guy, so I, I think yeah. he'll get it corrected at some point. But it's yeah. it's a little it's a lack of knowing where to go at right. times, right? Like a ba- bad reads. So I, I don't think it's an over aggressiveness at all. I think it's the complete opposite.
1: I have a question here from Car. It's either Carlo Celico or Carlos Elico, whichever one. I'm not sure which one it is. Mm-hmm. Should we switch from zone to man blocking? Wholesale change. But how bad has it been in zone? Look the issues would exist in man that the problems are not schematic or the, or the, the, what type of runs you're doing. It's about execution. And there's nothing that would make me think a team that, it, and I would argue Ryan that zone blocking is far easier to learn than man blocking from an assignment standpoint. And it's far more adaptive to changes. Like when a team throws looks part of the beautiful beauty of zone in my opinion mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what they throw at you. They could come out and show you a bunch of looks you've never seen before. It may take some adjustment because you didn't practice them, but you have you have rules against in zone. Stay on that, the track. Yeah. Are, are you covered? Am I are, am I covered or uncovered? And is the guy next to me covered or uncovered? If I'm covered and he's not, we're working together. If he's covered and I'm not, we're working together. If we're both covered, I know I got a base block. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if they come out in a double eagle. I know I'm well, I'm covered. He's covered. I'm covered. He's covered. Hey, we got solo blocks, right? Yep. And so you can either check out of it or you all know what you got, right? And that's the beauty of zone blocking mm-hmm. is those principles apply no matter what defense you're facing. Mm-hmm. It's not, oh, here's what you do against a 4-4. Four, four. Here's what you do against a 3-5. Here's what you do against a 3-4. Here's what you do against a 3-3 three, three stack. The principles are the same. Am I uncovered or covered? And then we're communicating those things to each other and then communicating who the backer is that we're going to be blocking together. Yep. And it doesn't change. Man blocking to me requires a lot more variation depending on how a team you know what I mean? Like like if you're running a you know power O, who's pulling or who's you know, who's blocking here or you know, counters? Mm-hmm. It's that may change depending on how a team lined up. It may be two guards yeah. pulling on one play, maybe a center and a backside guard, another, maybe a center and attack. And it's all a lot of it's gonna be dependent on how are they lined up.
2: Your your angles are gonna change a lot as well. There's gonna be a lot more solo blocks too, and man to man, obviously in, yeah. in, po- in power oriented yeah. offense, right? So I mean, especially now, I mean, we talked about it. There's a lack of aggressiveness and physicality at the point of attack. Right. So, like, how would, how would man blocking help that? Oh, <laughs> like you, you need just that get big time. Big <laughs> yeah. time. I think yeah. the other
1: issue, too, is
2: when you look at man
1: blocking, a really good movement defense is going gonna, is gonna to give a man blocking scheme a lot of problems. Where in some ways, you're actually playing right into a good zone team's hands. Yes. If you're doing a lot of movement and the, and the team is really good at running zone, you're in mm-hmm. trouble like the best thing to do against the zone is to come off though. This is what makes Georgia so hard to block against the zones because they're so freaking big and quick off the ball that they just eat you up and you can't get to the second level. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what makes, and they reset the line of scrimmage in their favor. Mm-hmm. I think those are what make that a little bit, a little bit difficult in my opinion. Yeah. Yep. 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 So those are, those are my thoughts on that. So, uh, that's going to be it for today's show, Ryan. We have some other great questions, but we need to get out of here. We got a lot of work to do today. Ryan has a very busy weekend coming up with recruits. Uh, we've got we're going to have about three recruiting updates coming up later today. We have one on Peyton Woodyard, TJ Lindsey. We've got some more, uh, so we'll, we'll have that. Obviously, we'll, we're it's a big weekend for recruiting for Notre Dame. So I'm very curious to see how things uh, how the discussion goes on Monday, Ryan, after mm-hmm. uh, Notre Dame is able to, um, you know, to uh, kind of impress Tayshon Lyons, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Ryan, that is going to do it for today's show. I appreciate everybody for being with us today. Six o'clock tonight, IB Nation Sports Talk. will be back. Ryan and I will be back tomorrow with our predictions of the Notre Dame game. We'll talk some of the keys to victory. Although a lot of those we ended up kind of talking about today, for being honest with you. Sure. Uh, so we'll get to that that breakdown. And then we will also get to some pre- previews and breakdowns of some other big games this weekend. So it's going to be another, It's. I'll tell you what, man, these, the first three weeks of college football I ended up having some really good matchups that maybe I wouldn't have anticipated, and Fresno was really close to upsetting Oregon State last week and making this Fresno USC game really interesting yeah. this week. But uh, you know that's going to be an, a good test for USC. A and Miami, BYU, Oregon, BYU has had a heck of a start to the season when you talk about the teams that they're sure playing. Is. They're coming yep. off of a win over Baylor now. They get a game against Oregon. Uh, very interesting matchups this week. A lot of very interesting matchups. So we'll talk about some of those tomorrow. We'll also obviously talk about them on Saturday uh, uh, from 10 to noon. Vince and Sean will be back to do the IB countdown to kickoff. So lots of stuff still coming up, everybody hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, uh, give share this podcast like with actually the share button down below, but also let your uh, fellow Notre Dame friends and family know about our show. Uh, one of the cool things was this week we had somebody at our our tailgate and they were like, yeah, he was telling a couple of buddies at work about. I found out they're Notre Dame fans and said, hey, you guys need to listen to Irish Breakdown. I'm like, oh, I already listen to Irish Breakdown. I love nice. hearing stuff like that. Uh, so we had a, a lady that uh, we had some work done in our house locally, and she's been super helpful us getting us kind of everything scheduled and take care of. And she's like, yeah, it's telling my husband, you know, that you cover Notre Dame. He's like, and so he's like, he goes, oh, I listen to their show all the time. So we love that stuff. So share. Share what we're doing with your fellow Notre Dame friends and family. So uh, that'll be it for us today. Thank you all so much for listening to the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
4: MyPatriotSupply.com